This episode of ACMG Presents Talk Time Live is brought to you in part by Viewfinders Identity Search and Design. Your choice for web design, graphic design, and all multimedia development needs. Visit VFISAD.com and let us bring your vision to reality. This is Stephanie Shea, the voice of Sailor Moon, and in the name of the moon, you are listening to ACMG Presents Talk Time Live. This week, I give thoughts on Dragon Ball Z Kakarot Bardock, Alone Against Fate. We talk about Game Informer's top 10 best superhero games. Deadpool is coming to Marvel Midnight Suns. Meanwhile, a board game based on Street Fighter V's Champion Edition is coming soon to a tabletop near you. And in our final stage, we review Ruby Arrowfell for the Nintendo Switch. All this and more. In this edition of ACMG Presents Talk Time Live Extra, select start. Welcome to the show to give you all the news, views, and opinions in the world of gaming. This is ACMG Presents Talk Time Live Extras. Select start with your host, Xavier Josiah. Power up and game on. Everybody, welcome back to another game-filled edition of Select Start, the video game podcast for ACMG Presents Talk Time Live. I am your host, Xavier Josiah. I hope everybody's having a healthy-minded week. I know there's a lot that's going on, especially you know wrestling fans. Especially, you know, we just lost Jay Briscoe, one of the best tag team specialists ever. Um, died way too young by a tragic car accident. Um, age 38 kids were also a part of the accident they seem to be recovering thank goodness um just real quick thoughts hearts and prayers to all family friends and fans of jen and poe aka jay briscoe it's a great loss for the industry it's a great loss for fans everywhere and um man uh go to share real quick um you know he has some situations going on that has unfortunately you know there was some controversy that he did years ago that involved him not getting opportunities outside of ring of honor but since that time he's made amends he's atoned for his mistakes and i've just got to say real quick people let this year be the year of forgiveness in a sense that don't cancel everybody out just to cancel them out don't be afraid to give people a chance to grow if they are willing to you know make amends if they're willing to earn the respect back to you know undo their wrongs to make mistakes if they're putting in the effort allow them to do so and then appreciate and accept it because it's not an easy thing to do and if you're willing to do it it's courageous as hell because all of us are make you know we all make mistakes we are it's inevitable that we make mistakes but we gotta allow ourselves to you know accept people looking to atone for them even yourself allow that to happen because without we're, we're not human if we don't allow that that's all i'm gonna say about that note but you know rest in power jay briscoe and uh i am praying that his kids recover and come out of this okay because it was uh, apparently it was a horrific uh accident that occurred and uh unfortunately two people died from it and one of them was jay so um that's unfortunate but 
Another thing I do, you know, as I segue this into video games, AEW Fight Forever is still scheduled to come out this year. And I hope, and I really, really, really hope that they somehow find a way to get the Briscoes, both Mark and Jay, in there because they deserve it. They, they more than they should have been in video games ages ago. Their, their move sets are all in there for God's sake. But, um, those two deserve to be paid homage to in the, in the best way. And what better way to do it and immortalize them in a video game. Okay. So hopefully that'll happen. Hopefully some way, I know Tony Khan said he was going to do more to tribute to Jay Briscoe. He couldn't do it on, with, um, on dynamite because of the, uh, Warner brothers discovery and their hypocrisy to not, you know, allow them to fully pay tribute to him. Despite the fact that shortly after Dynamite this week, they put on Dana White's power slap. If you've been following the news, I don't need to say anything, anything more. <laughs> the hypocrisy in it, okay? I digress. We're here to talk about video games, and that's what we're going to do. Because this week, we got quite a bit of news to talk about, but... In our final stage, I will be talking about Ruby Arrowfell. Uh, I, I will say I've played other games with Ruby before, and I actually played another game with Ruby, but I never, ever, ever reviewed it. And it was a reason for it. And there's also a reason why I am reviewing this particular game. So we'll talk about more on that in our final stage. But we got some other things to talk about. That's not the only game that I got a chance to play and complete this week i got a chance to uh or the last two weeks before before i say anything thank you to everybody who actually gave me uh happy birthday wishes last week really appreciate it, especially my small inner circle of people who supported me thank you lady hokage especially and um you know it was a great time i had a great time in new york and everything and you know really enjoyed myself but while i was doing that and that's why i'm mentioning this i got a chance to play um Dragon Ball Kakarot, the new DLC expansion, story expansion that was based on Bardock called Bardock Alone Against Fate. Um, really enjoyed this. I felt like this was the best story that they provided so far. Like, I liked all the other stories. The first two with uh, Barris, based on um, the Dragon Ball Super movies, it was good. It was one of them was they were kind of short. And then they did uh, the Trunk Saga, which I thought was really good, too. This one, I think this was the more elaborate and expansion, you know, expanded ver uh, version they did. They pretty much recreated Planet Vegeta that you could travel and explore around and everything. And I really enjoyed it. If it, it gave me Final Fantasy, it gave me Crisis Core Final Fantasy vibes because, you know, there's some there's some similarity to Bardock and Zack Fair. <laughs> you know, they have somewhat a similar face in, in some ways. And, um, it, I just love the way that this, that they pace the story around. Like, if you've ever watched Dragon Ball Z, if you're an avid Dragon Ball fan, then you know the story of Bardock. You know, it was a TV special that they did in Japan uh, in the 90s. You know, it wasn't a movie. It was a TV special, and it told a story. It was one of a few TV specials they did. The Trunks, uh, the story of Trunks was also a TV special, too. And when it came to America, it was in DVD form. So everybody thought a lot of people tend to thought it was a movie. But if you ever got the if you started doing the tape trading in the 90s, like we did, we knew that it was a TV special because we got to see the commercials and everything with it. And it was a 
it's an awesome series and it's been you know remastered and brought back so many times and now it's in video game form and i enjoyed it immensely because the great thing about dragon ball z kakarot and i think a lot of people miss the point of the game dragon ball kakarot is supposed to not only just retell the story of what happens you know in in the life of goku and everything around it it also tells you a lot of the things you didn't know it, it focuses on some inner you know some inner canon information that you may not have known it fills gaps as well like it, <laughs> they have things that you don't know about it, it, it really focuses on aspects of the of what we already know and gives you more about what we didn't know within it so all the times when you know certain things like the cell saga happen or whatever you we would get some inside information on the game about certain characters or certain situations that we've always wanted to know and has all been answered there and i believe this is all supposed to be canon as well so i really enjoy this game because we do and they do address some other things like when goku actually admitted that he was not a good father and he relied on piccolo <laughs> to do so so like he you know the inside joke with with goku being a bad father and everything they, they played on it and uh i really enjoy this game for that aspect like this it, you know people have complained like they or they used to not anymore because we've had a lot of dragon ball games that were that had different stories like dragon ball fighters and and xenoverse or whatever and um some of the other like uh cart what is it the world missions the super dragon ball world missions that's a whole new original story from all those we've gotten games recently but you know it was it really was said that like during the 90s when we were aware that dragon ball uh had video games in japan and they have not come to the states ever up until budokai came in and it, it was like one of the first actual dragon ball games to come to the states um and then from there just you know we got more but every one of those games were always based around the original Z saga. And after a while, we started wanting something new because we just kept playing the same game, different versions of the game, but still based on the same story. So people really wanted, was eager to, you know, and chomping at the bits to want an original story. And we finally got them after a while. We got Xenoverse and Xenoverse 2 and then uh, Dragon Ball Fighters after a while. We finally got some original storytelling you know among this and then dragon ball kakarot comes back and people are like oh god it's the same zizaka again but the difference with this one is that we get a little bit more depth of understanding the universe that is the uh dragon ball z saga so this one gets a pass for that reason alone because it's not necessary it's yes it's the same story but it's not it is giving you more of what you didn't know about the story and that's why I appreciate and enjoy playing this game or replaying this game. It has a lot of replay value for me. So, and even more now, because now they have this new one based on Bardock and we got two more story uh, DLCs coming too. The season two uh, story expansion is, you know, available. It's 40 bucks and um, you get the Bardock one and then two more are coming. I think the second one, they gave a little bit of a clue as with the second one 
is and it looks like goku as a teenager from the piccolo saga so i think that possibly may be the one that's coming next there and i actually i actually do like that saga because it was the, it was one of their cool their dope tournament sagas as well i still hope that the tournament of power is the other one because um i i, I need to i need to have him turn us uh, ultra instinct goku and fight jiren I need that in my life that 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 was such a pay-per-view uh fight <laughs> so here are my notes for the dlc this is not exactly a review per se um i didn't do any grading of this but because i've already graded the entire thing but i will give my thoughts and what i think of this um this is definitely one of my of among all the expanded stories and dlc stories that they've done this is my favorite you know so you get to relive the history, uh, you know, in, in drag, you get to relive the Dragon Ball history as you play Bardock, who is the father of Kakarot, AKA Son Goku. You will fight your way through, hopefully in, in, in hopes to save planet Vegeta after discovering that Frieza is looking to destroy the planet and every sand in it. Much like the main story, you gradually build on Bardock's skills and power level in order to be powerful enough to take out uh, hordes of Frieza's uh, enemies, as well as Frieza's, uh, the Frieza's force after a while. The story, uh, the story pack is way more elaborate than other the others before it. Uh, you get, like I said, you get to explore planet Vegeta and it's really cool to just get around. It's not like the biggest um, area that you could travel through. This is not like an open world. It's like open stage, if you will you know an open zone area and you do travel within certain regions of vegeta and you know in the base where the saiyans are at i do and again i do want to point out point this out too because people are going to wonder about this when they play it is what which version of the dragon ball story is based around because believe it or not there are two different bardock stories now this one this version of the bardock story is based on the original telling from the anime TV special and not from Dragon Ball Super Brawly, which tells an alternative narrative to the uh, Bardock and Frieza saga. If you watch the Dragon Ball Super movie, then you notice some, uh, a, a really significant thing missing from that story that's on the original story. Even, even still, like, cause Dragon Ball Super Brawly was based on the Brawly saga. So what the movie did, was based around it, it, it crammed both stories of the Bardock saga and the Brawly saga together, but they missed out an element and something that made Bardock a little bit more extra special in that movie. Not to say that I didn't like, I love that movie. I love the movie, but I, the significance of it, it's hard to make a canon to whatever they did in the original. And I'm really just surprised that they did base it on the original TV. Uh, you know um special here and i will i'll talk about what the difference is as we go along well um well i could tell it now because in this version bardock acquires the telepathic ability to see the future based on one of the uh the aliens that they actually destroyed on a planet that they were taking over and the alien gave him what he considers a gift or a curse of foreseeing the future. And this is when Bardock starts seeing visions of what Frieza is going to be planning and doing uh, to the planet and the Saiyans and everything. And he didn't believe it at first, but then he started seeing signs of everything happening. 
and Bardock is going to try to convince all the Saiyans to rebel against the threat of uh, Frieza, who is willing to attack. But the Saiyans are so loyal to Frieza, they think that he's not, he's really, he he's sick. He's, he's you know, sick in the head, or pretty much. But then he finds some of his comrades and colleagues all dead from an attack of Frieza's forces. So now it's up to him to try to, you know, take out Frieza before it's too late and the planet gets destroyed but we don't need a crystal ball to predict the obvious we all saw what happened here while the gameplay is um pretty much the same they did add some new elements including a gauge meter for the assist characters which will which when full allows you to unleash a z combo that takes out dozens of enemies now they they've already had the ability to do z combos the difference is that you never know when the time was coming like it would come it, it was appear like it came randomly when you played through the other games with it. But now adding this gauge meter makes a big difference because now you know it's coming. Now you know that, you know, the more you attack, the more the gauge fills and once the gauge fills, you know, it, it helps you know when to attack or, you know, gives you the, the handicap ability to attack, you know, when you think it's the right time rather than it just coming random you need to do it as soon as possible so i like the i like the addition of the gauge meter for the assist characters on that note you know adding the gauge is a great help in here and it really allows you to you know time your attacks when you're going through you know fighting hordes of different you know um enemies along the way during the, the you know the horde rush battle or whatever the hell they call it <laughs> um I really enjoyed the story. It was really fun to play and get more invested into, you know, one of Dragon Ball Z's most memorable origin stories, pretty much. And once Bardock's story ends, believe it or not, they reward you with another, <laughs> with absolutely another um, story based around a young, a young Prince Vegeta. So it is not really long, but it's just an awesome added, you know, deal right there. So, and you can, Again, you can replay all of these uh, over again with your stats already in play. So you'll be stronger the next time around, the next few times around or whatever like that. I really, you know, I the more I play Dragon Ball Kakarot, the more I enjoy it and appreciate it. And especially on the Switch. Also, I should add that um, if you own a PS5, they do have the free upgrade for uh, Dragon Ball Z Kakarot as well. And you can transfer all of everything that you've done onto the ps5 version of it now so the update is free um i've played it it honestly it's great um maybe with another update or two the the, the, the uh loading will be even more faster than it already is it is faster but i thought it was gonna be like zip speed and it's it's there not but not yet like i don't mind playing i still don't mind playing dragon ball uh z kakarot on the um, nintendo switch it the loading isn't that long the ps5 version isn't that it, it's it's fat it's definitely significantly faster but not like i would say not like um spider-man in my spider-man miles Morales fast like it, it like immediately zips right there you know so maybe a few updates it will be but it's still great the um the frame rate is beautiful on air the performance mode and graphics mode you could do on air is just beautiful you know 
it's a little bit more brighter, more vibrant, more saturated, you know, uh, than the original. So, you know, it's free. If you already own it on the PS4, you own the PS5, it is free. Go download it and enjoy it the way you should <laughs> in there. So, all right, moving on. Want to talk about Game Informer's top 10 superhero games. I got to say, normally these, you know, I give these top 10, top five, you know, um, you know, list myself and every one of our lists, my list, their list, anybody's list is subjective. I, my biggest pet peeve is when you got like IGN or whatever like that, making it as if it is the definitive list, like their list, their list is law. I hate that. I really, really, really hate that. Um, I even hate how they title it. And I, and I tend to change the right. I don't say of all time. I usually say of our time or my time. Like when I talked about the 10, I, with me with um, TSN Radio's uh, Boris Aguilar from Sunday Night's Main Event, when he was on a show and we did the 10 best, or, you know, um, the 10 greatest wrestling games of our time. I specifically made sure to say our time, not of all time, because it is our, it's our experience. And my experience might be different from his experience. And when we did the show, that is exactly what happened. We agreed on some things. And, um, there are some other ones that he pointed out that I didn't even think of, or, you know, didn't, uh, you know, think it was my favorite, but he liked it and vice versa. And that's okay. And I think if you word it that way and say like our time or my time, it's a little bit better because it is subjective and it doesn't feel like it's the superior thing. And I, I really wish more, uh, I really wish more media, you know, platforms would do that because I know it's a way of just, it, it's, I know why they do it, but it also, it, it could be upsetting to a lot of people and, 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 and because it's like, how are you to say that your word is law and say that this is what? Like, and then a lot of times they tend to miss out some really good games that rather they'd never played before, or they just didn't even think about at the time. So, I mean, it is what it is. But with that said, Brian Shea, who wrote, who was the writer for this one on Game Informer, he wrote his 10 best, um, you know, superhero games of all time. And I will say, I will say this. It's, he did, it's a strong list. It's a, it's a, it really is a strong list. Um, superhero games. Let's do that. See what happens. All right. So yeah, I will look at his list and then I'll say, you know, whether I agree with them or not, or I want to say, cause that's his list. I will say whether it's a game that I think that I would enjoy it. We'll see. <coughs> oh, excuse me. All right, so let's get underway. Number 10, he put Infamous. Infamous was a really good game. PS3, 2009. Um, it's an original game. It's not based on any, you know, franchise, you know, favorites like Marvel, DC, Image, or whatever like that. You know, Dark Horse, whatever. It's it's an original game. And I did like the game. Cole McGrath was the main protagonist of it. I didn't, if I liked it. I didn't love it. I didn't, I never finished it. Neither, I, the first one or the second one. I got into it and I just, the story to me, I just couldn't get into the story as much as other people have. I, I just couldn't get into it. It was, it didn't grab me. 
And I, I, and I know the second, the second um, infamous game I got into up to the very end, I just never finished it. It just, I think one, because it got too difficult at times. And then two, it was just like, eh, I'm just not, I, I just haven't really been invested in it. So, um, I, I'm not saying that this is not a great game. I just not saying it wouldn't be, I wouldn't have picked this. Um, I would not have picked this as my favorite. I, I would have replaced that definitely with something else in here, but that's his number nine marvel ultimate alliance I, I think you do have to give this game even though i really enjoy marvel ultimate alliance 3 better because you know based on the upgrade it was um you know better graphics better character design you know better gameplay if you will you got it you got to give credit to the original ultimate alliance game it really started what we have it had that ultimate um that diablo isometric type of thing going on um the lineup was insanely big the story may not have been as great as you know ultimate alliance 2 or even ultimate alliance 3 but they had a lot going for it there was a lot of depth in gameplay and in other things you could do in the game i love the quizzes so one thing i wish ultimate alliance 3 did bring back is the quiz aspect because i love playing the quiz and then when you played the quiz you got to like you got to upgrade you get more xp to upgrade your character if you got all the questions right and it and it, it is just a, a great way to get into the marvel you know the marvel universe lore i don't understand why they took that out of uh, ultimate alliance 3 i think that would have been a great addition for them to do if they would have added that on but that's here today but ultimate alliance definitely deserves to be on here i agree marvel midnight suns yes i will definitely say i it is safe to say i love that game um again the graphics like i said when i reviewed it may not have been up to par or you know for a new gen game it looked like a remastered version of ultimate alliance 2 but the storytelling the gameplay extremely strong the xcom style of gameplay uh from developers uh firaxis games made it great and now you know with this with these new uh dlc expansions coming we're gonna be playing more of this it, it they did a phenomenal job and i will tell you this i played xcom games before i'd never finished the xcom game i finished this game and i loved it the storytelling was great the character development was awesome um so much reasons why i i can't wait for this to come on to the nintendo switch and i pray that they do that i pray it comes on in this i'm trying to hold off from buying the dlc because i know when the d when the playstation when the i'm sorry the nintendo switch version comes I will end up investing in that and getting everything there. Now, what could happen, and this is what normally happens, is that when you, when when it comes on a Nintendo Switch, they normally just bundle everything up, the, all the DLC up and everything, and bundle it all together and give it one sweet, really great price for it. That could absolutely happen too. So I'm thinking, I don't know, but you know, I'll, we'll be talking about this soon, but. I just saw the trailer for the Deadpool deal and I may want to get in on this. So, but I really enjoyed this game. Um, it wasn't perfect. It wasn't the best. There were some things I wish they would have had on there, but the overall package, I really enjoyed it. I thought they did a great job with it. So yeah, I, I would agree to add this on. Ultimate Marvel versus Capcom 3. Yeah, it's hard to argue this. This was a great, not only a great fighter, 
but a great tournament fighter as well. Now, with that said, I would have put, I, I actually, I can understand and I don't blame him for putting this in, but honestly, Marvel vs. Capcom 2 probably should be in here in place of this because the lineup of the lineup that they had in that game, so many awesome characters. They had Cable, they had Venom, they had a whole bunch of different characters in there. Um, and then on top of that, the I like the control scheme. It, the control scheme was still great. Ultimate Marvel vs. Capcom 3, they kind of simplified these, you know, the uh, control scheme to make it less traditional um, and just gave it like three buttons for you to use to, you know, to use all of the different, you know, motion controls the same. And I mean, the one pet peeve I had about both, <coughs> excuse me, I had about both games was that you were, they, they, they really didn't focus on a story with this. It was just like, they, yes, it was a story in there if you read the instruction booklets, which I always hated that. Back in the day, kids, they used to come out with these games. And a lot of these games, especially fighters, it was implied that they had a story element to it. And the only way to know about the story sometimes is if you read the instruction booklet. And I thought that was so freaking lame. Like, come on and bring a, bring a story presence to this game. And of course, this was at the time when you know, but this is before like NetherRealm came in and really made a cinematic experience out of fighting games with like DC Marvel, oh, it, uh, you know, Mortal Kombat versus DC Universe or whatnot. It was before that. But at the same time, when you beat a fighting game back in the day, you still get some type of, you know, ending, some like cutscene ending or whatever like that. Not the Marvel versus Capcom series, not up until Marvel versus Capcom Infinite, which unfortunately a lot of people didn't like. <laughs> And there was many reasons not to like that game. I, I, you know, it was a solid game. It don't get Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite in terms of gameplay was solid. Um, they had cutscenes. They did listen to people. They did provide a story element. I think there was just something missing from it. And they did provide you with um, some items that was just left to be, you know, desired, if you will. Some extra bundle packs. I look when they started. <laughs> For those for those who listen, I'm, I'm pretty sure some of you actually bought that, but they, you know, they got the, you know, I, the extra incentive items that you would get if you get the physical copy. And Cap, Capcom provided fans with statues of Captain Marvel and I think somebody and, and maybe I, I forgot who else. It was Captain Marvel and somebody else. And then on top of that, you also get the Infinity Stones. Now. The average, this was like, I can, I would, I don't understand why nobody has put out a class action lawsuit on this or any type of lawsuit that would involve false advertisement because the advertisement made the items look like they were legit, made the items look like they were high quality and especially the infinity stones, like they were actually like crystal or marble. Man, when them things came in, they look like e plastic Easter eggs that you get from a vendor. I remember one of our ACMG members got it and I felt so bad, but it was funny as hell because it was like Captain Marvel, the statue looked horrible. It looked like it was badly 3D printed. And then the, the infinity eggs, 
just look like eggs. It was like, oh my God, that, that you paid all that money and that's what you got. That was, I would be, if, if the right person would have saw that they, they would have sued. I would have sued. I would have asked for my money back for that. That was, it's not what I called for. It was, I was so disappointed in Capcom for this because they usually are good with their quality and packaging and stuff. And I don't know what was going on with them at the time, but that's what happened. Marvel vs. Capcom 3, what I did love about it is that they did make it for the PS Vita and it played just as great on air as well. So, you know, again, I understand why, he, you know, this person put that on air, why Shay put that on air. So I get it. I, I, I don't have an argument with that. As much as I don't have an argument with this game, Injustice 2, absolutely hell yes to this. Um, made his number six on the list. And I... God, this game was just so freaking awesome. Um, you know, it's a continuation of the Injustice storyline. You know, the great part about Injustice is that the story was so great, they made it into a comic. And I, when, I, when a comic first came out, usually when they do a comic adaptation of these games, it's not meant to last long. Injustice lasts, not only did it last for quite a long time, it lasted all the way to, I, it might be still going, I don't know. But not only did it last till um, the second one, it still kept going from there. It was highly regarded as a great comic with a great story. It was every month when a new issue came out, people were at awe. There was so many great reviews about the Injustice comic uh, adaptation, which was canon to the video game. The game came out, they made so many improvements to the first game, I, in particular Wonder Woman. Um, she looked much better in here than they had before. Again, you know, it's just worth playing alone, like just to play as Blue Beetle and all that stuff. And and the addition that Kevin Conroy and his awesome, awesome, talented uh, performances is in here, Tim Daly and all those guys. But we will also not mention this without mentioning one major thing that they added to it in the DLC. And it's probably one of the greatest DLCs for any fighting game ever because it got the greatest reaction of any fighting game ever. In addition to adding Scorpion and Hellboy, they added the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And when they added the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles to this game, um, it went, it the internet exploded. The gaming community exploded. Absolutely no joke. You could go back on YouTube. You could type in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and Justice 2 announcement. And I remember this. I was watching the eSport uh, event. I think on it's been so long ago. Might be on Spike or whatever like that. One of those channels where they were playing during eSport. It, that's how long ago it was. Came out in 2017. And I was watching the eSport event. And they were going to announce the newest DLC character. Um, and they did. And we saw the trailer. It was live. And my God, when we saw the trailer and they teased it and they teased it and they teased it and we didn't know who it was. And then we saw somebody with a trench coat and I was like, no. And cause you know, the turtles are familiar wearing trench coats on the street. And then you saw the sigh and then you saw the sword and you saw the, and people went crazy. Not only at the studio where they were doing the tournament, but you heard it, it went completely viral on social media. It was such a huge announcement. It was insane. 
people went so crazy so much so that like they were re they were this was at the beginning of the time when people started doing reaction um videos to these announcements people went ape on these damn announcements man this was crazy this is one of the biggest reactions in video game history i would really compare it i would only compare it to the announcement of final fantasy 7 remake um at e3 because and i was thinking about this like people don't know, like for those who don't understand how big the turtles is and how big final fantasy is like i could compare this to how wrestling fans feel about cm punk when he returned it's an emotional moment especially final fantasy 7 when final fantasy 7 remake came out and it was announced at e3 people legit cried the same way when cm punk came um returned to wrestling uh almost like over a year or two ago now in chicago you saw people crying me as well but you saw you know it was a very emotional moment for these things and you know injustice 2 more than anything deserves to be on here for that moment just the gameplay the story the the, the uh character development the quality the production everything a plus on this absolutely de uh, definitely as well as anything that involves batman and especially involves the arkham series and for his number five he put arkham knight i'm glad he did i am really glad he did because i so enjoyed the arkham knight series and for some reason this is one of those games where people loved it in the beginning and then like later on they start you know crapping on it maybe it's those people who had the pc version because all of those pc people i i, I love it i love when the pc people and they pc gamers and they, they they have a tendency to mouth off about the quality the the you know resolution the the frame rates or whatever like all right it's really like is the game still fun and playable regardless of where you play it it doesn't matter that's it, it's like why are you why are you having such a napoleon complex about the game about the performance measure of the pc it's all of it is a playable game but every once in a while they make it seem like they there's some they literally say that they're the superior race it's such a, it's the most geekiest thing i've ever heard and then on top of that every once in a while there's a couple games that flops because of performance not by the engine not not by the processors or the or or the um graphics card or the gpus but mostly because of the the developers failure to make it work batman arkham knight was one of those games that could not be played on a pc but it could play really great on a on on the xbox on a ps5 or 4 at least such a great game and you know every once in a while i hear minority you know a vocal minority online talk about how much this game wasn't no this game was fantastic i i the story i really liked it wasn't the best story in the world no but you know him getting all these visions of joker and we get kevin conroy back and we get mark hamill back mark hamill at his finest as the joker in here it was just fantastic and it well granted yes the arkham knight being you know uh, spoiler this thing came out in 2015 people deal with it the fact that the arkham knight being red hood i didn't understand that 
completely, but they, it is what it is what they did there. Although, no, no matter what, I still enjoyed this game. I definitely think it get, I think all of the Arkham games should get up on there. Like, if it was up to me, I would I would put all of them up there. But he's making a top ten, so you gotta you know measure some of that out. But you know, so I get it. Number four, much respect to him. I appreciate this Mar um, Marvel Spider-Man Miles Morales he picked. Um, I you know, 2020. And we talk about this a lot. That was a big year. Um, a lot has happened. Uh, we're still recovering from 2020, folks. You know, let's be real. We're still healing from 2020. And one of the game, one of the two games that helped me out was Spider-Man Miles Morales. The other one being um, Final Fantasy, you know, Seven Remake. But. I will always appreciate and in fact every year i make it a point every year to play at from this point on to play replay spider-man miles morales because what sony did what insomniac games did in terms of the story of this game and it got underlooked i i think it got underlooked and i i'm gonna say this i am gonna say this and take it for what you will but it just seemed like that it was overlooked and underappreciated by a certain faction of reviewers because of the nature of the story. There was a Black Lives Matter element to this story. And because certain people, certain reviewers didn't relate to it, they didn't give it the they didn't give it the respect that I thought that it got. And this was a game that we in the black community needed. We needed to see this and they went to extra measures to do some of the, you know, it, it, from a mental standpoint, this game was healing. I cried when I got that yellow suit and I saw that mural that says Black Lives Matter. I am not afraid to say that because we needed to see some support and to get that support from Sony and to get that support from Insomniac Games when they came out with a game based on a black Hispanic character. They having them do a game on this alone was enough. They went to extra measures to make sure we are your ally. We are your support system. We are here for you. You know, this reminds me of when like, and you know, when, when, um, Stanley and Steve Dicko would do stories about civil rights and do create characters during a time when, you know, the racial tension was high in the sixties. This to me felt like this, this, this is what this felt like. And this is a reminder why I am always a Marvel fan more than anything. And I love what DC always does. And I respect DC comics, but Marvel has always been on the forefront of civil rights and equality. And DC has always played catch up to that. And this was just another example why I appreciate everything that Marvel has done over the years and everything that Steve Dicko and and um, and, Stan, and Stan Lee has put together to make equality. I often appreciate that. And Miles Morales was a great addition. So I'm glad that is getting its flowers from this from um, from this gentleman here. So um, thank you, Brian Shea, for adding that on on my behalf, because that right there was just it was just awesome um batman arkham asylum the original the first the one that got us to the table and maybe considered at the time one of the greatest revolutionary superhero games of all time i would agree with this 
first of all, it didn't just make a great Batman game. It made a great superhero game that Rocksteady has done. Okay. 2009, Rocksteady came out with this literally game-changing revolutionary day that, you know, from a combat perspective, like the way we played the game, the fluidity of how the gameplay was, the stealth. I hate stealth games. Not when I play Arkham Asylum and not when I play Spider-Man. They are they make stealth fun. I never this is I think that was one of the biggest reasons why I never played um Assassin's Creed because I didn't think or feel like the stealth aspect or even Mortal um what is the other one? Um Metal Gear Solid. I mean it took me years to play a Metal Gear Solid game. And I only played it just for the fact of saying like just to say that I played and beat a Metal Gear Solid game, but by any stretch that I really enjoy it as much as I did Arkham Asylum or Spider-Man. They made stealth so much fun, so freaking much fun to do. Um, and then the combat is still to this day the best combat. Like there are games that are trying to emulate, that try to emulate what Rocksteady has done with the combat. And the only per the only company that has been able to successfully do that is Insomniac Games, bar none. Um, it's hard to talk about the best superhero games of all time without saying Arkham, Arkham Asylum is to video games as as Wesley Snipes Blade has been to the cinematic, the superhero cinematic movies literally changed the way we played video games. And for and before Arkham Asylum, many people maybe forgot and a lot of young gamers don't know. Batman has had a harsh history of video games since dating back since uh, 87 when the um, or 89 when the Tim Burton series came out and he had there were some great games on the Genesis that came out back then and then after a while it started you know depleting it started deteriorating the you know we haven't had a great superhero game up to after after that point and then we had to have a great Batman game and every Batman game that would come out it was crap and then Rocksteady comes out and they just revitalize everything adding Tim you know, uh, Kevin Conroy to it and Mark Hamill, you know, all the people from the original, you know, Batman animated series to it just changed the way we just played superhero games from this day on. And it's been awesome. And the way we play action games, period. Cause like I said, their engine really did make a big difference here. So, you know, it, anything of all things, Arkham Asylum absolutely deserves it. And the story was so strong in here. So his number two, Marvel Spider-Man, absolutely. Okay, <laughs> so as I as I just spoke about this with um, Batman, you could put the same case for Spider-Man. Spider-Man had Spider-Man probably had more successful games than Batman, but at, there was a time when they still were lacking. But when Insomniac came out with Spider-Man in 2018, my goodness, this game was so everything this was the perfect spider-man game this was absolutely the and it no and don't get me twisted there's been some other great like spider-man games prior to Sh uh, shattered dimensions is one of my favorites outside of this in miles morales shattered dimensions was absolutely awesome because you got to play as different versions of spider-man including ultimate spider-man and speaking of ultimate spider-man that was another great game that we don't talk about um ultimate you know what honestly i will replace i would absolutely replace uh infamous ultimate spider-man 
and people forget that ultimate spider-man was a thing um on i think the playstation 2 that game was so underlooked and i wish they would have brought that back i always wish for them to bring that game back because it was so great but ultra, but my marvel spider-man that insomnia came out with was fantastic and then we also i think this helped to elevate a particular actor here and by the name of yuri longfall a lot of you may know that name um he's been on this show many times and i work with him uh on a repop front um he's just awesome he played the perfect peter parker he is now considered he is considered on the level in terms of peter parker performances up there with tom holland with live action you know he's up there like he's probably considered the fourth favorite peter parker in spider-man that you could like up to tom holland and, and, and andrew garfield and, and uh toby mcguire and even you know even um spider-man's past like he's he did so well in his performance as peter parker and spider-man in here and it's so awesome that i actually got to work with him on some things as well and people don't know like i'm a graphic designer too and i do uh, some side projects and client projects i never mentioned this to talk about this but i actually did and this is why we are we are kind of acquainted with each other we you know i worked i had i did the panel for him for the naruto panel for there and i worked with repop and molly flanagan and, and them with the um naruto uh, q a uh quiz that i had such a great time doing but i also did a few projects with them involving promotional projects and stuff too so like it's i you know it's really cool and i'm like i actually did work with sasuke from naruto and peter parker spider-man you know this is the this is the geek part of me <laughs> that unfortunately i think a lot of people ne will never see because you know it was for it, it was for a con it was for like convention appearances um the i think the rare time that molly and, and um molly and yuri was going to be together so they decided to do it and they you know call i got called up to you know do a design for him or whatever like that and um i got paid for it <laughs> never got a chance i don't think it ever got out <laughs> so i still have all of them there and i don't even know if they got it printed or whatever like that because i think the event got canceled or something like that so it was really it was it was a shame but like i don't think anybody got autographs <laughs> on there but it man it was it was a great deal so his number one is batman arkham city so okay good he did actually put all three arkham games on here respect um yeah man i i i the arkham series is just great arkham city was also really great because it expanded on what asylum did asylum was always based on what was going on inside a little realm but now city you kind of got an open world experience or open city experience and everything you got to ride in the batmobile and everything so much respect he, he has a very strong i think the only one i would have changed in this list was probably infamous and maybe um ultimate you know uh what is that ultimate uh marvel versus capcom 3 in here because they were they were better absolutely better um deals in here but like there's so many games that were out i mean x-men legends you know we talk about like ultimate alliance x-men legends was also great too um before, it was right before ultimate alliance the only reason why ultimate alliance probably makes it in here is because it involved all of the characters from the ultimate you know series but x-men legends was the original isometric you know diablo style you know game you know i could give a nod to marvel uh, marvel's guardians of the galaxy as well 
you know, we didn't know that that game was coming out. Um, you know, another nod to the original Spider-Man game, even though we've gotten some far and away, that Spider-Man game was the one that brought Spider-Man to the 3D realm. There's so many great games that come out. Deadpool, believe it or not, was actually a fun game. I wouldn't say it's the best. Um, and then we got more coming. You know, Suicide Squad Killed the Justice League is coming out. We'll see how that goes. Um, man, no, Weapon Shadows was not great. Somebody, somebody mentioned, somebody uh, mentioned on our ACMG Facebook group when I posted this article on air, they mentioned Batman Arkham Origins. I, I will say this. I liked Arkham Origins for what it was, but I think the, the reason why people wouldn't put it on air is because it was a shadow of what of what Rocksteady was. It was more of a shallow version of the Rocksteady engine, and it it wasn't it wasn't perfect by any stretch. I think they were trying to emulate the Rocksteady engine, but also tried to tweak it to make it their own, so they wouldn't totally copy it, and it didn't work out. It was it, it was very similar to how. DC Films, not DC Studios, that's rebranded, how DC Films would try not to do the Marvel, the MCU Marvel Cinematic Universe formula or the Marvel Studios formula of storytelling, and they tried to do their own thing, and it didn't work out. That's exactly what they did. Um, so, now, with that said, people did like um, Batman Arkham Origins Blackgate, which was like, kind of like a uh, Metroidvania style game that they did and people gave more praise in review and high reviews to that game than they did the actual 3d platformer and uh you know from there so i can see that um you know a special knock can be given to the original arcade x-men series that game was awesome okay the game was absolutely absolutely truly awesome i never got a chance to play um never got a chance to play incredible hulk ultimate destruction i heard so much greatness about that game um one of the best hulk games if not the only hulk games to ever come out and actually there was enough they had a hulk based on uh the ang the you know the ang lee movie i think a while back but yeah it, it just never made it but yeah i it's hard not to agree with you know brian shay's list I, I thought he did a really great job with that list um but we got more to come and thanks to all of those games that we have so much to look forward to now in this year we got spider-man 2 coming out later this year in the winter uh like i said justice league killed a justice league coming out it's just going to be awesome wolverine probably in 2024 coming out from insomniac games so i am ready man it is just awesome it's been an awesome experience with these games and just fantastic so we will see from there so um let's talk deadpool we're gonna keep on the superhero you know uh you know road here if you will deadpool is coming to Midnight Suns later this month. We got the trailer and what is going to involve it is including a new story involving uh Hydra just uh in a new enemy or such with uh with some powers or whatever. They didn't give it it was a vague story, but Deadpool's pretty much going to be involved to join with the Midnight Suns to stop a threat that's it, basically when they showed the the enemy they there was the Hydra insignia on, on the chest of the um person with power so uh hydra is still going to be a big part of this whole thing so we will see it's coming january 26th and it intrigued me enough because i did say i wasn't going to buy the dlc but I, I love the game enough so yeah this dlc may be purchased 
<laughs> I may get the season pass because I don't know. They, they're not announcing when this is coming out for the Nintendo Switch. And it was supposed to come out for the Nintendo Switch day of. I don't know why they're waiting so long. What's going on? Uh, there may be, again, when it comes to the Nintendo Switch ports, some companies uh, are great with porting their deals. Some people not. And unfortunately, I feel like this is the curse of 2K games <laughs> involved in this, even though they're just the publishers. There's always a situation involving 2K games when it comes to porting anything on that damn Nintendo Switch. They, for some reason, they just can't handle it. But it is coming. It is absolutely coming there. So uh, get ready. January 26th, that's the first DLC to come out and more to come from that point on. I, now, the other thing, reason why I didn't get the um, season pass too, because I didn't know if it was just getting extra characters or are we getting more? And it appears like we're getting more. So this is why I may be jumping on because I don't, if it's just for like extra characters, I'm like, dude, I, no, I, I, I like the characters, but I just feel like for the price that they're trying to get you on, it needs to be a little bit more. Well, it looks like they're giving us a little bit more, so it may be worth the value of what you're, uh, what we're asking for here. So, you know, kudos to them. I'm looking forward to it, and uh, we'll see. Another thing, last thing I want to talk about here is that I looked online. You know, because the algorithms follow every damn move we go, they end up posting things that may be of interest. Well, kudos to them because this one was a little bit of interest to me. Actually, a little bit more than an interest to me. Street Fighter. Five Champions Edition Legends, a new tabletop board game that is coming out later uh, this year, like very close in February. In fact, that they're claiming it's created by a company, Colossal Games, and um, they don't exactly have. Yeah, I will follow. They don't exactly have it. It's not really a campaign. Per, like they are coming out with this. Uh, I don't think they're doing it's not, not a crowdfunded thing. They really are coming out with this. It involves a, like a bunch of figures and such and uh like 3d sculpted figures this is really heavy duty um there's a fighter tier box core box at all stretched goals of 75 dollars uh it involves fighter cards rival cards four ability cards all these really awesome figure uh you know detailed figures of your favorite street fighter characters are on there uh 84 style cards six decks of 14 cards and there's gonna also be more coming soon. Nemesis uh, working projects, 3D models are coming. Um, 24 minion, minion standees, Nemesis boards. Um, this is all in the realm of the Street Fighter universe and you're gonna be able to play a board game based upon it. It has six stage tiles, four uh, stage sheets, four fighter boards, uh, which is like 12 objective car uh, tokens. 24x tokens 16 fighter health tokens and more they're also doing an exclusive content with dan hibiki fighter pack in here um this looks really cool and basically they have information on how this is played in street fighter 5 champions edition legends you will take on the role of your favorite world warrior in a battle against the dangerous nemesis on on your turn you'll be able to play two styles of cards from your hand and resolve an action listed at the bottom of each card. After a card has been played, it is safe in your combo meter, ready to be used to activate your card powerful, your card fighters, your, I'm sorry, to activate your fighters powerful special ability. At any time, even on another player's turn, you may discard, uh, you may discard cards from your combo meter to uh, trigger an ability to continue to fight. By completing objectives and defeating enemies, you'll charge 
Fighters X gauge, and uh, you you can spin this gauge to power up your abilities, reroll dice, or even upgrade your special abilities. After you played the two cards, it is Nemesis. It is the Nemesis turn to fight back. Uh, act you know active. I'm sorry to activate their minions and then flip over the nemesis card to discover how they respond. Each nemesis card will bring new minions to the fight and you'll be and you'll uh, I'm sorry, you'd better stay on top of them before uh, they overrun your board. So that's just a little bit of what to expect from this game. Um, when did they say this was coming out? Because I saw February date here. Let me scroll back up. Let's see what's happening here and actually i don't think i've seen it here i think i saw it well uh, when i did upload it let me see. oh wait 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 i can stupid i upload it here yes yeah, coming this claims that it's coming february 21st 2023 so i am i i'm actually interested in this i actually have the card battle game that i got when i went to um san diego comic-con i never played it i never even opened it i i it's more of a collector's thing to me but the logistics of the game is pretty cool uh and in the uh the way the gameplay is pretty cool but i i like the card so much i don't want to <laughs> kill any of those cards up you know in battle or whatever like that so um the board game looks awesome i am actually hoping to reach out to them and see if they want to talk about this more and uh see what happens from there because uh, I, I am fairly interested in, you know, this game and seeing if they want to, you know, talk about it and may, maybe I'll try to review it or something like that. We will see. But it is coming. And uh, if you're a Street Fighter fan, look forward to it. Check it out. Colossal Games. Colossal with a K, I might add. Um, in fact, I'll spell it for you guys because you could get really confused trying to look for it. K-O-L-O-S-S-A-L. Colossal Games. They spell it differently. You'll see a... a gorilla blue uh with a blue face gorilla on air that's them so uh be on the lookout for that check it out and uh you know be ready when it's coming out folks that will do it for this portion of the episode or in a segment i should say we will come back and i will review ruby arrowfell for the nintendo switch and we'll do that right after this Ladies and gentlemen, this is Dax Xavier Josiah, the host of ACMG Presents Talk Time Live, the podcast. You want to catch up with all of our podcast shows and hear from some of the hottest names in all of anime, comics, movies, and games, such as... This is Miley Flanagan, the voice of Naruto. This is Stephanie Shea, the voice of Sailor Moon. This is Ruben Langdon, the voice of Ken Masters and Dante from Devil May Cry. Hey there, this is Kyle Abair, the voice of Ryu from Street Fighter V. This is Chris Battle, character designer of Teen Titans Go. Here's your chance to check out all of that and more on Talk Time live.com talktomlive.com provides all of our acmg content with new and previous episodes exclusive interviews articles and much more visit talktomlive.com and let us help you learn to let go live life and love all things acmg talk time live
year reached the final stage of this program and i'm here to review ruby arrow fell for the nintendo switch this is based off of rooster teeth's most popular series and web series that is expanded to so much uh so much more than it ended up being created by the late monty um who unfortunately passed away in february 2015. um one of those crazy situations much like jay briscoe is like unexpected and and such like that but it, like jay briscoe his legacy will live on and it has uh they you know new series the series has been ongoing since um they've even made a an, an actual anime adaption to it like i know the series is actually anime inspired if you will but you know there was actually a crunchy roll anime adaption to it i'm actually watching it now looks beautiful it looks absolutely the way i believe that monty um would probably want it to see it <laughs> you know it looks beautiful it's totally draw um animated and drawn it's on crunchyroll right now you know you should go out anyway as well as the original uh ruby series as well all the chapters are on here too so you know i had a ruby game that i was uh looking to review uh, you know a while back maybe like a year or so ago uh called grim eclipse and I was not impressed with that game. In fact, I was more infuriated with that game because it just felt incomplete. It didn't play. It didn't. It the gameplay just didn't feel smooth. Like if I would have reviewed it, it would have been out of anger, and I probably would have gave it gave it a, probably a D to maybe an even an F. And I barely give Fs, and I barely give Ds in theirs. But it was like it was just I didn't even want to play through it enough to get through because that's how really bad it was. So. When Ruby Arrowfell came out, and I'm asking myself, do I want to go through this again? Is this going to be a great game? And what convinced me to do it is two two names: Way Forward and Arc System Works. Two of the most reliable, one of the two most reliable game developing companies. That when they put their name on something, when they put themselves in a project, the fail rate is extremely low. And it's because of that, which is why I was like, okay, way forward is involved in this. They're developing this. I'm in, I will give this a chance only because it's by them, because I know who these guys are. I've had these guys on my show once or twice. And both times it was based on games that I knew was going to rock <laughs> in here. So I, I had to give it a chance. I had to, because I trust them. These are the guys who brought you ducktales and remastered that and got their fame off of that game and then they did the ashante game and then they you know could just keep going with the list of games that they were they are the masters of 2d platformer games it's no way that they could fail with this this is this is their dna right here um i would be i would be totally surprised if they would screw this up totally so ruby arrow fell i decided to play it you know, like I said, developer is way forward. Publisher oh, also way forward in Arc System Works. They always work together. They work together to do um, River City Girls as well. Um, so, I mean, Arc System Works it has their hand on a lot of things. You know, Guilty Gear has made them a lot of money. <laughs> okay, so they are they are pretty well off from there. Uh, it's it is a two D platformer action adventure game, kind of a mix between Mega Man and also maybe a metroidvania style game so we'll we'll just take it from there all right so let's talk about the story before we get into the 
to my critique of everything. And remember, this is going on the new grading system that I have. And I'm loving this grading system that I do because even before the great thing about the grading system that I put together is that I've already made up my mind on what the actual game may get as a grade. But then when I put it into percentage and we put and we accumulate the actual percentages together, the end result ends up being exactly what I thought it would be. And I really love that. But now we could go into major detail as to why. So let's get into that. Let's get into the story. This is based around volume seven of the series. So this is in canon storyline that they're using this on. So this is a part of, if you watch the actual series, you can follow this episode. You can follow this game from that series if you know what's going on in there. So the action is heating up on a frozen tundra of Sol uh, Solitus. Ruby Rose weighs Snee, Snee, I believe it's called Blake Belladonna and Yang Shi Yalong, who is the sister of Ruby Rose, are now fully licensed huntress and on one of their first official missions under the guidance of General Ironwood. They encounter a mysterious new technology. It's up to Team Ruby to seek out the source of the tech and discover what it what could mean for the people of uh, Remnant. So that's the that's the story, self-explanatory, really self-explanatory for itself, especially for those who knows what's going on in the series. You know the actual animated series from there. So, which again, the animation of the series so much better as the time went by um monty Hume started with you know an art style that was very reminiscent to like sort of i always related to like playstation 3 graphics um and using that type of wireframe type of animation um which is kind of the wireframe animation that you know studios started using uh during the early 2000s and whatnot so it was it was I mean, the character design was really well done, but the animation style was kind of a little bit outdated, but people loved it regardless. And the storytelling was great. And then they've managed to get, you know, evolve from it. Rooster Teeth managed to be, you know, their budget got bigger. They were able to do a little bit more. And then, you know, people really praised the series so much. They started doing different adaptations to it, which is why they end up getting a, an actual, uh, what is that? an actual anime and like a legit anime for it. Like, again, it's just anime inspired. It's not really an anime per se, but it is anime inspired. And they actually made an, a Japanese anime series for it. That's just on Crunchyroll right now. So it's pretty awesome. And his legacy will live on because of it. And that's, that's pretty damn good. So, all right, let's talk about originality of the game. Um, the game is a classic, straightforward 2d platformer with your favorite Huntress from team Ruby. You will, journey through various stages as you battle through enemies with the ability to switch into any of the four characters at any time instantaneously. Each character of Team Ruby comes complete with their signature attacks and abilities. The characters upgrade their skills and abilities by searching and purchasing skill points and hearts throughout the game, making the game experience a lot more fun to play and a lot more easy to play. There's, They do have options and challenges, but um, you know, you can play it at your own leisure if you will. And I, I always appreciate that. So that's always a plus for me. It's not the most original thing in the world, but they take a formula and slightly do something different with it. Like think of it as Mega Man, but also think of it as Super Mario 2, where you could play Toad and, you know, Princess Toadstool, 
in, uh, in Mario or Luigi, but unlike that game, you're not strict. You're not restricted to just one character per stage. You can switch to each character in every stage. Now, if that when I played this, I'm like, I wish Super Mario 2 was like this, where you could just switch on to different characters each on. I thought that that would have added so much more to the to the plate of the game. But nonetheless, this one did it. So I really, I really liked that. The, uh, did that. So in that sense, it the originality is a little bit high on my on my case with that. Graphics, I really love the graphics. It's stunning. 2D drawn characters and stage design, courtesy of Way Forward, that brings you into the universe, uh, the Ruby universe. The characters are designed in uh, super deformed style, which you know works with the scale and of the environment of the enemies. Um, in the stages that you end up uh, being involved with. It also helps when playing on a Nintendo Switch because, you know, if you try to do it, if you try to, you know, make the characters the actual scale that is intended, it will shrink down a little bit more. And I think that they, you know, way forward thought really carefully of the idea that like, yeah, this is gonna be on a Nintendo Switch too. So when you're looking at it, even with the larger OLED screen, it's still going to be a little bit small. So making them super deformed is usually the best idea to do. Um, it's the same with, um, what's the other one? There's a lot of games that do that now. It's like they make their characters super deformed. I think um, Mecha Wars was also a great game that also made their you know characters super deformed in their 2D stages. So, it, and it made for a better environment. You know, even when you scale out to the bigger screen, you can still see the characters easily that way. So, I really appreciated um, that they did that. Um, it also, you know, the colors, lighting, shadows worked very well to provide the game's wintery vibe to it as well. Um, when it comes to sound and music, um, great and catchy themes by Jeff Williams and vocals by Casey Lee Williams. Really enjoyed the opening theme, um, the ending theme as well. Some stages provide instrumentals while other features um, songs with lyrics. The songs with lyrics, I will say, do tend to wear itself out after a while because it's just on constant loop. And when you're wandering around and exploring all these stages that you're entering, and it, it, it just happens to be one of those stages that has the one song in there that just keeps looping, it could get a little bit, you could get it, you could wear your, it could, get a little worn and torn out every once in a while. I, you know, I say the same thing about this with um, River City Girls too, because every once in a while, there's, and I mentioned this before, there's some songs that are just, it's so dreary and they, and they re-loop it and it just doesn't, it, 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 it it's good, it's a good song, but on re-loop like that, it kind of like, it reminded me of the Anvolania song from, uh, from Animaniacs, where like every time you hear it, it puts you to sleep, and you, that's not the type of vibe you want to have for a action game, you know. So, the, you know, sometimes songs with lyrics don't exactly work good when you're relooping a song, especially if it means now the Mega Ran song actually did work. Um, they made it work because they made it work that it could be relooped and it, you know. And you're not in that stage for that long to keep listening to the song either. But even still, it's so catchy that you can get with it. But the, some of the other songs on that game didn't work the same here. Hearing it once or twice, maybe it's fine, but then allow it to go into another song because it just it's it, it, you start to when you especially when you're looking for certain things in that stage, 
it starts to wear itself out. It, it wears thin. So gameplay. Many WayForward fans will find the gameplay experience very familiar with great games like the Shanti games, DuckTales, Remastered, and many, many more. This is, if you played a WayForward game, you know what to expect. And this is another great 2D uh, platform experience here. Uh, the gameplay experience is, you know, it, it also provides shades of Metrovania style in the game. You know, instantly switching characters uh, is important in this factor. And this is why I, I kind of wish that Super Mario 2 did this back in the day. But I like the fact of what they did and how you implement the it's not just that you're switching characters. There's a reason why. And it's important that you do so, because you will need to switch characters in cert, uh, to certain uh, aspects of the game to solve puzzles and unlock secrets um, areas as you progress it through the game. Some characters provide an advantage when fighting certain enemies. Uh, like for instance, Ruby seems to, you know, who's the primary, you know, in, uh, protagonist of the game. Uh, she has possibly the best balance of the game. She has a reach advantage that the other ones don't have due to her sickle uh, weapon. So she's able to attack from afar without getting, without actually getting hurt. Whereas some of the other ones, uh, like Weeze or Blake provide a mid range attack. So, you know, they can attack a little bit from afar, but not too much. And they are, they are able to get hit a little bit uh, easier while Yang provides a little bit more close range because she also uses fists. So she, her, what I love about it is that she, when she attacks, she attacks with a high velocity, you know, a high level of speed in order to try to take them out as fast as possible because she is the close range person so you got to keep you know tapping a button as fast as possible to make sure you take out the enemies and then when you upgrade it you it, you don't have to you know button mash too much in order to take them out you'll be able to do it a little bit less when you're a little bit stronger and you and you upgrade your uh your abilities the fun factor for this game you know while ruby arrow fell provides some of fun exploration and puzzle solving it i it would have benefited them more to provide a internal map as an internal stage map that lets you see where the hell you're at in these stages because these stages are very elaborate without it you can sometimes find yourself wandering way longer than you intended to do and i mean it i managed to find things that i needed to find but every once in a while i do find myself going around circles and after a while, it tires you out. Having a map, like a Metroidvania style map, it would have benefited greatly for this. And hopefully when they do the DLC for this, that they'll add on to that, they'll, they'll add that factor. Cause I think that's a big deal. I wish they would have did it from the start, like any other Metro. And that's why it's hard for me to call it an actual Metroidvania game because it has some elements of it, but it's a little bit more simplified. It doesn't have a map. It does allow you to, it, you don't get to uh, collect new weapons or whatever like that. Cause you have your signature weapons that you are accustomed to from the characters from the series. So that I can understand why they didn't allow you to have new weapons or whatever like that. And it's a more simple, like simplistic style game. It's really straight that when I say it's straightforward, it really is straightforward. Um, because I believe it's connected to the series. I think they didn't want to take too many liberties of adding so many bells and whistles to it to differentiate itself from the series so like if they got new weapons and everything and this is based on chapter seven of the series i can see where it's like 
okay, they got this on the game and it's supposed to be based on the game. Why are we not seeing this in the series? So I get why they did that. But damn it, some of the things as simple as a map would have really helped <laughs> play through this game. And I would have liked it if, it if the features were a bit more beefed up with the abilities and whatnot. I think they could have tweaked those a little bit more to give us a little bit more juice, but what they gave us was still fair. I will say that. Replay value, wait for it. Did it, they did this game justice, especially when you compare it to Ruby, the uh, previous Ruby games like Grim Eclipse, which was the only other game that they actually had. The other time we got to see um, Ruby Rose herself was when, uh, in, in the crew, when, when they were uh, Team Ruby, it was when they were involved in um, Blaze Blue cross tag battle, which was, they were awesome in there. So, and there was a lot more story to that, but there was some. You know, it was some craziness going on. It wasn't fully based on the story of that, but it was still great to see them on air in a fighting game aspect. But here with Grim Eclipse, it just didn't work out for me. But this one did. Um, the expectations were high considering it was way for it. And I think they knocked it out the park. They, this is exactly what Rooster Teeth needed in terms of, you know, creating games. You know, it was safe to say that doing a doing um, this series in a 2D platformer worked wonders here. Unlike that game, I enjoyed it from start to finish. And in the end, I would not mind playing this game again. And in fact, I probably will because the DLC that's going to involve Team Brer will be coming soon. And eventually I will get to enjoy that game as well. So, you know, Team Brer is in, is uh, another group of Huntress in this game um, that are kind of similar to Team Ruby and you do eventually face off against them eventually, but it looks like that you're gonna be able to have their side of the story and their gameplay as well. My only issue with this is that, you know, I have Metroid Dread and much like Metroid Dread, I wish they had New Game Plus on there rather than allowing us to start from the very beginning. Like you can, you can play the game up to the end and you can go all the way up to the end and find things but the problem is is that you can't start the game over again from you so you got to start the game literally from scratch all over again and that's where i have a problem it's like all right do i really want to do this so hopefully they will add some form of new game plus because everyone these metrovanian games are a lot of fun but i it takes a lot out of you to replay these games from scratch again granted I did play Metroid Dread all over again, mostly because they added the more easier <laughs> game mode to it. You know, the less threatening game um, option, for the, you know, difficulty level to it. So I decided to replay it again and it, I did enjoy it again, but I would really have loved that they added new game plus to it. And man, what, what is it gonna hurt? What is it gonna hurt people? I'm just saying this also includes um cutscenes in the game that um uh, you would have to go through again like there's no gallery mode in here so if you have to start the game over again the only time you're going to be able to see those cutscenes is you know through the game again so i wish they would have added that too game uh character performances you know way forward and rooster teeth brought back the main cast to, uh, of the series to reprise the roles and for the cutscenes and sound effects of the game um, there are only a few, like minimum amount of cutscenes in this game. It's not as much as you would you would like, unfortunately. And I wish they were a little bit more to it, because throughout the game, the rest of it is just narrative and dialogue in the form of text. And some of the dialogue 
can be a little bit too wordy at times. I wish they would kind of, you know, just simple. Like, I like reading. Don't get it twisted. I like reading. I read biographies a lot. I read like I'm currently read, I read last book I read was like the art of war. And right now, um, I, I mean, I read comics every, you know, more than often I read, you know, magazines, articles and game informer, you know, uh, issues all the time I read, but when it comes to gaming, there's, I, I just feel like for gaming purposes, because the attention you're intended when you play a video game is to play not to read like your time there should be a minimal amount of dialogue in the game to get your point across of what the plot is and what's going on within the plot in the narrative and then let's get to the game because sometimes the narrative can stretch so it could be novel level narrative and i don't want to see that because i if i wanted to read a novel i will go freaking read a novel or i will play one of those novel based games but not everybody wants to read all that dialogue. And when your intention is to actually play through the game, like I get you want us to get into the story, but there's a way to simplify storytelling and get your point across. You know, this is why, you know, I don't mind it, but when I start to get like, it's like five, 10, 15 minutes and I'm still reading the game and I'm ready to play, you know, through the game. It's like, it's wasting so much gameplay time. Like, if I want to read, I do it like this. If you want us to do all that, look, create a comic, create a, a novel. I remember, uh, I'll give an example. Infinity Blade, you know, the old um, game by the former developers called Chair that they made for the mobile, when mobile games was a, was a thing, beginning, uh, the, the, the beginning of the era, the genesis of the mobile gaming era. Infinity Blade was one of the games that really made people believe that smartphones was the new gaming thing going on because it was such an awesome game. It was a great fighter, like punch out fighter, weapons based fighter. Um, but they had a great narrative to it. And what they did was they came out with a novel for the game, a like actual written story um, novel for the game. And I read that book. And I love that book. And then I played the game and, you know, it was more immersed into the game because of what I read from the book. But damn it, I don't want that novel, which was like two, 300 pages in the game. I needed to, I need them to have cutscenes, cinematic cutscenes, or whatever like that. I don't need it. Or if they're going to do all that text, have voiceovers for it. Like have the cast do voiceovers of the deal. But I will, I, I, I will say it. I have a feeling that they were budgeting with that point. So I think that's where it comes to, you know, it's so much. So it is just like, it's really obvious that I feel like they, they hired the cast to be on there, but only do a few lines and, you know, Rooster Teeth, there are times when I feel like Rooster Teeth is still on a budget with things. Like I could tell that they're, they're not fully budgeted to do some of the things they want to do. And, um, yeah, I, I, I totally, I totally understand. But for what it's worth, they do it and they make it work. Um, and it's not like the most wordiest of dialogues that I've seen, but it is, it is fairly weighted on here. So if I got to read through dialogue of a story for like 15 minutes, like at least do it 
Arc System Works does when they work with Blaze Blue. When they do Blaze Blue, they always have you know, they, they have a lot of wordy dialogue, but they also have voiceovers doing it. So it's a little bit more entertaining because you hear, you know, um, all the characters, you know, banter back and forth with each other. And it makes it a little bit more entertaining. But if you're just reading through text, sometimes I just blaze out. And I'm like, I, I, I want to get to know the story, but also it's just like the story's not captivating enough for me to want to stay through. And I want to hit the skip button immediately or the fast forward button. Cause it's just not a lot of times. And I think that's the thing too. It's not just riveting enough for me to really get into this one was okay. There are other ones who not, but you know, I, I would hope that games in the future really balance the, you know, use of dialogue to storytelling and gameplay, because you don't want to have one way more than the other. And if anything, if you do want, if you do way more, anything way more in the gameplay, because that's where we're intended to do it for. So just saying, you know, presentation, you know, WayForward designed a well-developed game that gave fans what they wanted from the series and what you expected from everybody's fan favorite development company. While the game isn't the best 2D platform experience WayForward has ever developed, it is still a very solid game experience and you can't deny it. This is a must play for Ruby fans and newcomers of the series. Like if you want to get to know the Ruby franchise, I think this is a game that will get you more involved with the series uh the whole time franchise in general so here's the deal we're going to get to the grading part now so and what i gave for it, everything so let's go with this so originality gave it a 75 percent graphics gave it 100 percent sound and music 80 percent gameplay 85 percent fun factor 80 percent replay value 80 percent and performance character performance i should say i should really put that in character performance 85 percent and presentation 100 and all of that resulted in my final grade for this game which i think it well deserves it and it gets a solid b for me so if you are a ruby fan and a way forward fan add this to your collection um i think it'll it's a great game to play and if you're interested in what why the ruby series is so great this is a game that can you can get into and maybe understand why this game is so dope i would also go further than to say if you own crunchyroll a subscription go check out the ruby series on there as well as the animated uh series that they made for it too and you'll understand why people that why this is such a cult favorite and why monty um is forever celebrated uh for his you know uh his uh contributions here so go anyway, check it out. It's out now. And I believe it's $29.89. And I think that's a fair price for what they provide here. So folks, that will do it for this edition of Select Start. Thank you guys very much. This Sunday, I'm still debating whether I will. I've been having, I've been wanting to see House Party. I've been having a hard time trying to see House Party because the times that they're playing on my theater are in times that I can't really check out. If I can't do it today, then chances are I won't see it and I'll probably just do it down the road because it'll probably it'll end up on HBO Max probably in the course of 45 days or so. Um, so I'll probably do it then. But The Last of Us is playing and I got a chance to see the first episode. I've never desired to play the video game series, but I recognize how awesome the video game series is. So I got a chance to check it out. I want to talk about that. I want to talk about the Velma series as well. 
and what I thought about the first episode there. And the new episode is out right now, so I'm going to check that out too. So that is what I'm going to focus on. If I happen to get a chance to see House Party, then I will mention it there. But it, chances are it may not happen as well. I do want to say, if you haven't noticed already, if you haven't found out, tickets are on sale now for um, for Ant-Man uh, in the Wasp Quantumania. Go get it now before this thing's filled up because this movie looks like it's going to be a killer in the theaters. Um, so go out and check that out. Remember, Wakanda Forever in less than 10 days will be on Disney Plus as well. So stay tuned for that. Um, again, the 27th for Spoken will be reviewed. We got Sports Story coming up as well. Uh, I am currently playing that game. March 3rd will be Like a Dragon in uh, Ishin. And down the road, we will have Street Fighter 6 as well. Uh, as far as, let me see. Also have on my list, Final Fantasy 16. That's on June as well. Um, here's another game that I will be reviewing probably soon. Fight of Steel, Infinity Warrior. Very interesting game, fighting game that uh, we'll be talking about. Wulong, Fallen Destiny, or Dynasty is, uh, is a game I'm going to be focusing on as well horizon forbidden west burning shores another game i'm going to be looking forward to checking out so there's going to be a, quite a few games i will be playing down the line and reviewing and uh hopefully we can get some people on here for interviews and such down the line as well this year don't know how much i'm going to do we'll see <laughs> never know who's going to stop by here on talk time live so thank you guys for checking out this episode and every episode and if you want to find out more on this show and the episodes involved in you know, check out archives, go to talktimelive.com. All of our audio episodes, our video exclusive interviews are all there for easy for you to find and follow. We have a search engine on the podcast page. If you want to check out certain reviews that I've done, I've done like a couple hundred reviews now, more than a couple hundred game reviews, uh, of games that you've checked. There's some old ones, some new ones you want to check out go check it out over there. It's all there. Easy for you to find. If you want to subscribe and download to the series, we are everywhere where podcasts are played. That is including Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, TuneIn, Audible, Pocket Cast, Pandora. And if you're on Tumblr, you could go talk, type in Talk Time Live on their search engine and find us there. You can also follow me on Instagram at DaxXavier underscore Josiah as well. Follow me there. If you want to join with the ACMG Facebook group, check us out on what is it? Facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash ACMG one. You must, you must, you absolutely must have a legit and established profile page, personal profile page that's of five years or more. If you're just coming in this year, you will, I, I give no excuses. You will not get in at all. We want trusted people who want to enjoy all of our favorite fandoms. Go there to share, to comment, to talk, to make new friends. Please, we need to make new friends this year. There's so much isolation, so much divide this year. We need to get back to where we were in 2013, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, and 19 before everything went to, you know, ish, if you will. So, don't be afraid to reach out, please. You know, use our place as your safety, as <laughs> your refuge, if you will. And it's a place to enjoy all your favorite fandoms because there are a lot of people there. Everybody enjoys all what we like. And, you know, let's keep it going and keep it growing from there. So, folks, that will do it for me. On behalf of myself, all I got to say is 
learn to let go, live life, and love all things anime, comics, movies, and games. This is ACMG Presents Talk Time Live. I am out of here. Take care, and I will talk to you guys Sunday. Music for this episode is provided by Game Chops. Check out these great chiptune tracks and more at music.gamechops.com.